Well, hello there. My name is Matt Edmondson and welcome to What's the Story? A podcast where we hear stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And today our conversation is going to be with the incredible Phil Watson about what it's like to love your neighbor and make a difference in the lives of others by showing love and compassion. Now, this episode is brought to you by Crowd Church, which is an online church. An online church for those that might not be able to get to church buildings, for those that might not even see the point of going to a church building. Uh, This is where online church works really, really well. It is super accessible and a safe space to explore the Christian faith. And the thing I love about Crowd is that it is online first. So it talks with you and not just at you. That's right. That means you can join in the conversation. It's a live stream every Sunday. You can share your stories. You can ask your questions. You can shape the service. Uh, And regardless of where you are on your faith journey, it is definitely worth checking out. Just head over to www.crowd.church or you can email me directly at matt at crowd.church with any questions that you have. Now, before I get into today's conversation with uh, Phil, I just want to mention uh, a few links that are going to be worth checking out. First link, which we will put in the show notes, is Home for Good, Foster for Liverpool. Uh, and this works, this is a great link, even if you don't live in Liverpool. If you, it doesn't matter where in batch you live in the UK, because Phil is a huge fostering and adoption fan. And in fact, Check out the talk on Crowd Church. What does the Bible say about fostering and adopting? Uh, Phil and Claire and Adam did a great job with that. So you're going to want to check that out because you're going to find, if you don't know already, you're going to find out Phil is a huge fan and advocate of fostering. Uh, Phil is from Liverpool here in the UK. Uh, he has two birth children and one adopted child. He's a part time school teacher and a full-time adoption and fostering advocate. And the thing about Phil is, uh, he loves to ride his bike literally everywhere. (laughs) Even if that means he has to carry the bike on his shoulder for a bit. He is uh, always to be found in his luminous jacket cycling. Yes, he is. Uh, All of that said, honestly, you're not gonna wanna miss this. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Phil Watson. Phil, thank you so much for joining me here on Crowd Stories. What's the story with Crowd Story? We have Phil Watson, who is one of the sidekicks on Crowd. We've done quite a bit of hosting together recently, it feels, which is great. So here we are again, chatting uh, about all kinds of weird and wonderful things. How are we doing? Yeah, we're like the Anton Deck of Crowd Church, aren't we? <laughs> or the Torval and Dean. Or maybe we are like, I'm Debbie is it Debbie McGee and you can be Mike, Mike, what was his name? Who's the magician? Paul Daniels. Paul Daniels. Yeah, yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going with that more as an option. Um, Sally Birch used to host Crowd a lot, quite a bit, uh, when she had a bit more capacity in the time. And people kept referring to us as Anton Deck. And I kept saying to her, <laughs> which one are you? Because yeah. I know which one I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just, no, I'm deck. No, I'm deck. No, it's just really funny. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to do this conversation with you, bud, and uh, find out a little bit more about you. So you're here. We're both middle-aged men. Um, and, uh, you know, we've not always been middle-aged men. So how did it, how did, how did, how did it start for you as, a, you know, as a Christian? Where did it all sort of begin? Well, I'm, uh, I'm from the most... I'm going to say straightforward, boring, traditional background of anyone you're ever going to meet. Well, I used to think I was until I realised, as I got to know other people, that everybody's <laughs> individual, everyone's unique, everyone's got an interesting story. Yeah, so I was brought up in the London borough of Sutton in the 1970s and 80s. And if you've never heard of Sutton, it doesn't surprise me. It had the very first drive through <laughs> Burger King in Europe. Oh, wow. Uh, which That's has a claim to fame. It's been burned down, but it did have the first drive through. I don't know why. It wasn't me that burned it down. Um, if you're really old, you might remember a TV series called Terry in June. Oh, or you might Sutton? remember The Good Life. Or yeah. you might even remember watching The Bill, which is about the police. And very often those programmes were filmed in or around Sutton or Cheen. It's a very pleasant um, suburb of London. Some yeah. people say we're from London. Some people say they're from Surrey. 
depending on whether they want to sound a little bit posher or not. My mum was a teacher. My dad was a local solicitor. I got an older brother. We spent a lot of time mucking around in the back garden and the front garden. When it rained, we spent a lot of time, basically seemed to play football all the time or cricket, indoors, outdoors, um, went to schools locally. And our mum and dad um, took us to the local church, which was, as I understood at the time, was a Church of England church. It's still going strong. And it was a very important social hub for us um, because we just knew the other kids there. We knew this is the 70s and 80s. It wasn't all yeah. idyllic, but we you knew the people where you lived. You played outside yeah, a did. lot. So yeah. you knew everyone. And I went along to, to the church um, for as long as I can remember. I think I was christened there as a, as a baby. Um, I've seen photos of that. I'm assuming they're photos of me. Um, <laughs> and so I, I've always... And I think I would have been anyway. I've always been quite interested in what you might call bigger questions of, you know, is there a God? And if there is, is he interested in me? And um, I came to the conclusion quite quickly, if there is a God, it isn't me. I am not God. Um, and <laughs> That's so, actually quite uh, a big revelation for a young yeah, yeah, Well, some people don't seem to know that. They seem yeah. to think it, you know. Yeah. And, and also I ought to point out that my mum and dad um, are very... I'd say altruistic people. So we'd often have people around our house. So I didn't necessarily know who they were, but they were very, they are, I mean, they still live in the same house 47 years later. Very, very hospitable. Um, and we'd often have people around Sunday dinner evenings, um, people passing through relatives, because we live between Gatwick and Heathrow. We seem to have an awful lot. We're almost like a stopping, a stop off for people going around the world. But also my dad was involved in a lot of charities. He was a solicitor, did a lot of charity work. Yeah. My mum did that, something called victim support. So she'd okay. help people if they'd been mugged or burgled. She also did a lot of prison visiting. So um, as I became sort of 18, 19, 20, I used to go with her sometimes um, to visit prison, people in prison who had no visitors um this isn't to say at the time i was particularly i wouldn't have i wouldn't describe myself necessarily as a christian mm. but i was certainly spiritually aware and i was socially quite active um and i've got to say those are, you know it's very easy for everybody to find a reason why they didn't like their background and their upbringing and and a lot of mine was really pretty good fun yeah now were your were your parents christian then well, this is an interesting thing because they might watch this one day. My parents are wonderfully middle class and British, which means, yes, I think, yes, they are. But but we didn't actually have that many deep conversations, oddly mm. enough. So I knew, for example, because my and my mum still does it. She still goes on a Sunday uh, uh, and in the week to visit people in prison. And she's absolutely a lady that says what she's going to do and does what she says she's going to do, which is like, mm. I'm going to go in and I'm going to help people. She wouldn't necessarily talk about her motivation, mm. um, but she she would meet people who had a need. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know what it was about people who are incarcerated because um, she's never been in prison, you know, like as a prisoner. Yeah, yeah. Ne neither have I, neither is my brother. You know, we're, we're very, very, I keep saying say normal, but um, I always was in Looking at it, I was always impressed that they did they did a lot of the things that are in the parable in the Bible, which is, I think it's the sheep and the goats, isn't it? Where, you know, if somebody's hungry, you feed them. Yeah. If somebody's ill, you look after them. If somebody's lonely, you invite them in. And if yeah. somebody's in prison, you visit them. And my mum and, and dad are like that. They wouldn't necessarily talk about their motivation, but they, they, they've always lived that life. And, and my wider family, are, are many of them are like that as well. Um, and I would say growing up in the 70s and 80s, in the 80s particularly, there was a very materialistic streak and a lot of wealth slopping around in London mm. and in the places where I grew up. But my mum and dad seemed... Yeah, 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 loads of money. That's exactly it. And I knew yeah. all those people. and I was very much on the edge of that culture, but I wasn't... I was never... I was always shown that it's not... That's not the point. That's mm. not the point of being alive. If you, you know, if the point of being alive is being rich, you're you're gonna lose ultimately because you can't. I you know we all know it. You can't take the money with you, yeah. and even if you are pretty rich, there's always somebody wealthier. Um, unless you're what's his name, Musk. Who's the bloke buying Twitter? Elon. Um, Elon. Yeah. Apart from him, there's always somebody <laughs> richer than you, isn't there? And probably he he's going there for long. I wish I had that, you know, yeah. I don't know. Does yeah. he scroll through eBay or Amazon looking for stuff he hasn't got trying to go? Ooh. 
That's I think when you get to that stage, maybe, maybe you have yeah. people do that for you. <laughs> he has his own personal shopper who goes on his own website, Amazon, buying yeah. what he hasn't got. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But so it, I have a question, right? And yeah. You showed a photo on Facebook of your house a long time ago with a very famous uh, young lady in your house. I'm Wonder sure. Woman. Yes. Yes. This, this isn't typical of my life. And, and can we just say this is Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, not... Yeah, not, not a new one. Yeah, I got it. Now, yeah. now, now, <laughs> my dad is one of five. My dad was born abroad in India. My mum's one of four, and she was born in Argentina. So there's lots of funny stories there. So I've got relatives from all over the world. And for reasons that I've only recently become apparent... Christmas 1974, thereabouts, I was dressed in a cowboy outfit with two little toy guns. And for, for reasons I had no idea about them at the time, Linda Carter, Carter, who was playing Wonder Woman, came to our house. And I, <laughs> it didn't seem that unusual. Um, at the t- I don't know why. And, um, and the reason I found out is she knew, my, uh, my, one of my mum's sisters uh, moved to California and knew people in California. And one of them was Linda Carter's manager or something and said oh on you they were going off i think they were going to vietnam because oh, wow. it was the end of the vietnam war and she wanted to pursue a career at the time as a, a singer and entertainer i think this is right i'm not i'm not good on detail and so on her way to vietnam she was stopping off in london to try and link up with some musicians and she came to our house and so i don't know if she was famous but obviously to me as a four-year-old i was overwhelmingly indifferent to very attractive <laughs> women coming round. I think some of the other, yeah, I think some of the other men in the photos were like my uncles, and they were they were a little bit more excited by the prospect of Linda Carter coming around than me. But yeah, I've I've sat on Wonder Woman's knee, um, so thank you very much. That's yeah, one of that, my claims to fame. I think it's a great. It's much better than any of the ones I've got, Phil. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's not true. <laughs> so yeah, so you're growing up then in. Uh, and I'm, I, you know, when you said the good life before you said that, I'm thinking that's how I know that kind of area of London, yeah. you know, the good life. In fact, we love that TV show so much. We bought the, the DVD set and the kids watched it when they were younger because it's quite harmless comedy, it is. isn't it? The good it's life. harmless. Well, it's it's nonsense, but it's, yeah, it's p- perfectly pleasant and funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, you're sort of growing up in this environment. So uh, your, your parents are kind of Christian. Uh, well, they are Christian, but they're, you know, they're not what you'd, it doesn't sound like they're what you would call the modern day overtly evangelical yeah, kind they, of. They didn't shout about it. They just got on with it, I would yeah. say. Um, and they were not. I think that the good life is, a, is an interesting reference point because there's a sort of underlying snobbishness mm. that you get. Is it Margot, the posh one next yeah, door, yeah, yeah. who's yeah. really worried about what people think? And certainly there were a lot of people like that. You know, what have I got? Have I got as much as you? It's not unusual to have that as a character trait. Certainly my my dad had none of that. It was peculiarly indifferent, kind of laughably eccentric about, uh, you know, he was very successful in his career, but you wouldn't necessarily know it. He was also, uh, two things you should know about my dad, he was a, a Queen's Park Rangers season ticket holder. Um, so he was used to, he was used to disappointment, putting it bluntly. He, <laughs> He went every week, came back, going, oh, I don't know why I've done that. And he also, no one will remember, there was a political party called the SDP, the Social yeah, Democratic yeah. Party. There were sort of middle ground. The and Dems, yeah, yeah. They went into the Lib Dems eventually. So yeah. in, a, in an area where almost everybody would have been a conservative voter, my dad was more left wing than most people. He wasn't left wing, but mm. even that was relatively unusual. So yeah. he... He's also a very big questioner, so he'd go, why, why, why is that the case? So he'd want to, he'd want to have lots of different. He's, he's quite cantankerous, Dad. If you're watching this, I'd be surprised because it's online and you don't really do online. <laughs> but he, he would always want to put an opposing view yeah. of, of whatever he heard on the news. He'd go, but what about the other side? And if you had mm. a, if you had an opinion, he'd go, what about the other side? Which was kind of annoying as a kid, but actually is really. Yeah, question. Don't believe yeah. the source. Trust. Check it out. And if something seems too good to be true, or if something seems so one-sided, go. There's another side to that. There must be. Yeah. Um, which is great. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, what point then did you? Um, you're kind of 17, 18 years old, visiting prisons with your mum. Yeah. Are you? Are you a? Have you sort of made a come? 
a decision by this point that actually this I, is who I am and what I'm being. Looking back, I would probably say no, because I was perplexed. I had quite a lot of teenage angst. Now, I don't want to get all French on us, but I was doing French, German and history A-level and French uh, existential nihilism attracted me as well, uh, which is it sounds really uh, a really stupid phrase. And it's the sort of thing you say when you're a teenager. And what it means is I was caught between is there a God? Yes, I think there is. But that's not the same as being a Christian. What yeah. does the Christian bit mean? Also, is there any existential nihilism is is there any point in doing anything ever? Yeah. That's what it's. That's how it, you could summarise it. And probably reading French nihilistic literature and poetry. I can't believe I did that, but I used to. Uh, for an A-level. And I'd go, oh, hang on a minute, there's another scientist. It also seemed quite cool to question mm. these things and be quite alternative. And I think it's not a bad thing if you're younger to, to have that, to go yeah. through that pattern of going, right, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to ask. And some yeah. people found me, dare I say it, quite rude and aggressive. But actually, all I was doing was going, if what you say is true defend it prove yeah. it um and i i had a because of where i was brought up probably there was a clear career path that i was meant to have taken so i probably should have gone to as high a performing university done something very sensible like law um mm. uh you know stay southern maybe uh and 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 actually none of those things really appealed to me and then one day when i was in i guess it's now called year 13 i decided i wanted to go and do modern languages so french and german in liverpool which at the time this is 1989 liverpool was this far-flung remote yeah. corner full of football hooligans football uh football and the beatles it was synonymous with them but also the synonymous riots, with urban not decay long the and riots, was it yeah and, and that actually massively attracted me even mm. though i'd never been here um <laughs> so what happened was I left school. Um, I existential nihilism is not good for your mental health. I think I was probably drinking quite a lot more than I should have been, uh, and exploring other recreational activities <laughs> that are not altogether mm, pleasant awesome. or conducive to good physical and mental health. I shall say yeah. no more. I think you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, we know um, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know. And then, I, and then I had a, something called a year out, which was quite common then. So between school and uni, mm. uh, university, I had a year out. And I, I really enjoyed that year. It was very formative because I started off, I just went into a uh, employment agency because um, I thought, I better get a job. And I went into an agency and said, are you 18? Can you carry things? That was the job advert. And I went, mm. hi, I'm 18. Yes, I think I can carry things. And they went, great, you're now an industrial temporary member of staff. And this company would send me anywhere in South London to pick things up and carry them. So I worked as a, <laughs> I worked in various factories picking things wow. up and carrying them. So I carried beds, I carried sofas, sometimes mm. sofa beds, chairs. Occasionally I was an industrial, I was a catering assistant. So I cut cheese for quite a long time. The wow. most boring ever was I put sesame seeds onto croissants. I did that for 12 hours. <laughs> It's not as easy as it sounds. So the croissants will come on a conveyor belt. You pick them up and then you put them in a sponge of water and then you put them in a big tub of the sesame seeds or the poppy seeds, yeah. whatever they were. And then another bloke, he would pick them up and take them on and move them down the conveyor belt. So I did this. For 12 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, £2.90 an hour. Um, obviously, then you pay your tax. And yeah. I remember thinking, this isn't that exciting. <laughs> One day when I'm older, I'll want to do a different job. Not, yeah. not, and you know, I don't mind croissants. I like croissants. I'm glad somebody's in the croissant making business, but it wasn't for me. Um, and so I did lots of temporary jobs like that, which was meeting a completely different range of people from what I was used yeah. to because they weren't, dare I say it, they weren't as middle class as we were. Um, and I loved being a hospital, hospital um, porter. And I didn't realize this at the time, but I didn't, re I didn't realize how chatty I was. I, nobody ever. They just said you're too no noisy. No one pointed that out before. I know. People just said, "Shut up, be quiet, stop it." <laughs> and but when I was a big, not you, no, be quiet. And when I when I was um, a hospital porter, you basically you get you know whatever it is you're carrying around. So I was the medicines porter in a hospital, and I'd get this trolley, load it up with with drugs, 
I used to, and I used to think this was hilarious. And I used to push this trolley around a massive hospital site that was full of drugs and just go around the different wards and go, hi, suppository anyone. And all the nurses would go, oh, here he is. And then they'd open up your, your, your you know, it was all had to be locked up because it was all um, quite strong um, painkillers. And yeah. I would just push, so I'd push a trolley around a massive hospital talking to everybody I met. Just chatting away and then tvs dotted around in waiting rooms and i'd sometimes just go i'm ahead of schedule and i'd sit down and i'd watch the telly like neighbors at lunchtime and no chat way. to patients and i go anyway i've got to get off i've got to get I've, you know i've literally i've got to get some morphine to to ward three and if it's yeah. not there by half one i'm in trouble and um if if i could have done if it paid more than two pound ninety an hour i'd have probably been quite happy just doing, doing that job forever yeah. maybe i'll go back to it keeps you quite it sounds like well. a great job to be fair yeah, it, yeah, sound like it, a great it, a, it suited me um yeah and with the money i was saving i then went traveling um and i know nowadays people tend to go um you know to very exotic places i i was only really interested in the continent of europe um mm. and i'm still very euro focused you know as a geographical entity and i was doing as i'd done german and french at a level and i was going to do them at university so i um bought a train ticket uh it was called interrailing and you can still do it and i yeah, basically can, yeah. went off interrailing for about four months and hitchhiking um and it sounds not that exotic now but remember this is no internet there's there's no phones and i i, I my brother was living in france i went to see him and then after a few weeks of seeing him and one or two other people he knew i just went to a, a city called nice in the south of france I was, I was only 18 and i put my thumb out by a road and see where to see where I'd go, and I, I, I went to Venice in the end or the, uh, to start off with. That was rubbish. I was really disappointed with Venice. And then I said I had interrail tickets and train mm. tickets, so I just zigzagged across the continent. Now this is before the Berlin Wall came down, so we were oh, in the Cold okay. War. So you couldn't go. Go. Did you not go to Poland? You go. You, you couldn't. Did you not go to Czech yeah. Republic? Didn't you exist. Could. And there was yeah. a war going on in Yugoslavia, about to be, so I didn't go there yeah. either. Um, and I, and again, it's a bit like being a hospital porter. So I, I would arrive in the city of Cologne in Germany, um, had a little book that said there is a youth hostel here. I'd find it and, you know, knock on the door and, and say, hello, ich möchte hier bleiben. And then they'd go, we're English or we speak English. And I go, oh, I thought you'd be German. And I was always disappointed. <laughs> and you'd go in and you, you know, you, you, you'd bunk down in a room with, 10 20 people you get because and i'd start chatting and then we'd all go out to the pub or we'd go to whatever tourist thing there was um sometimes i didn't even sleep in a hotel or a hostel i just mm. i remember being in the black forest and going this is nice i'm gonna lie down here and i went to sleep under a piece of plastic in the black forest again i'm not sure i'd do that now because it's it's quite dark and spooky but um, yeah, different world it, now isn't it but yeah, I mean, yeah. then and, everything and, just felt and, safer but, I guess I was as I, I, alone or isolated in 1989 in Europe as you would be anywhere on the planet now because there was yeah. no phones. There was yeah. no way of, no one could find me. Yeah, um, couldn't track me. Yeah, um, and I, yes, I zigzagged across the continent. Then I, after about four months, I'd kind of run out of money. So I thought I'd, I'd better go home. <laughs> And, you know, it's an interesting thing that I've always had that safe base. And maybe I'll come on to that yeah. later. I've had like, I can just go home. I'll just go home. Yeah. And I, I <laughs> went back to Sutton. Um, then I don't think I told my parents. And I just walked home from the station and walked in. And I remember very clearly my mum was in the kitchen washing. And I walked in and she hadn't seen me for four months. I'd rung a few times. And I went and she said, oh, you're back early. As if I'd just been to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and... There's a wonderful, and I like it now, I found, at the time I found it a bit odd, there's a lovely um, kind of, oh yeah, great, you want to wander around the continent, go for it, do yeah. it, why not? Um, yeah. Which probably is a bit unusual now. Um, it is, but I, I was talking to Zoe, my daughter, about this. Oh, yeah. um, we, we've just been away for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And we went to uh the state of north carolina as part of our trip and i my, did my year out in north carolina i worked at a children's home over there and that's where i became a christian was at this at this children's home so i took zoe to see the children's home and wow. meet some of the people over there that had a big impact on my life and all that sort of stuff and i did the same a few years ago with the boys and interestingly the boys haven't they've not they've not looked at that and gone i want to do a year out but zoe's looked at that and gone 
I want to do year out. Yeah. I don't know what it is I want to do. But I think this year out or this gap year before university after school is actually, for me, I don't know about you, Phil, I think it's quite a formative time. Do you know what I mean? It, it, <laughs> yeah. it has a big impact on, it, on it, people. It, I found a lot out about me. I could have possibly done that anyway. I don't know. But I, mm. I, what I saw, and here's a message for some people, what I saw as character weaknesses, as in you talk too much, you're too chatty, you need to focus on detail, I actually began to realise was a strength, which was, yeah. yeah, I'm not particularly interested in, you know, I'm not interested. In, so with the languages, I'm not, I was never particularly good at getting all the grammar right. But I was really happy to just do the speaking, which actually yeah. is like, yeah, I'm relational. Put me with people and I'm more than happy. Um, ask me to fill in a form. Not a, <laughs> not a chance. Um, and and when, I, when I came back, um, the, you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, again, because I think we're probably similar in this regard. If I see opportunities, I tend to go, I'll give that a go. What's the worst yeah. that can happen? You know, mm. again, it's probably the benefits of my family is like, give it a go. Try yeah. see what happens. Yeah. And a friend of a friend of a friend's mother or something like that said, oh, there's a job going in Corfu, the Greek island. Does Phil want to go and work there? So I'd been back uh, in England a few weeks and I thought, oh, Corfu, Greek island. What's the job? And I went on for an interview and um, for th this company and um, they went, can you swim? And I went, yeah. And they went, can you... Um, what was it? Can you drive? And I went, yeah. Now that wasn't actually true because I could drive. <laughs> I didn't have a license. Okay. And when they said, can you swim? It's true. I could swim. I didn't actually have any qualifications that said I could swim except for, do you remember the bronze personal survival? Yeah, where you yeah. had, to get, a, you had yeah. to get a rubber brick for some reason that looked like a big from load the of dope. From Is the that the one where you had to wear your yeah. pyjama trousers? Yeah, pyjamas. You know, so if I ever fell into the sea in my pyjamas, <laughs> fine. I'm sorry. And if I had to get a big brick from the bottom at three foot deep, <laughs> fine. But, um, you know, crazy, really. Anyway, um, and it, also, it happened it, it, because of the link. It was a Christian holiday company. And I, and they went, oh, so you go to this church in, in something? Yeah, yeah. I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they went, great. And so I, I got this job and it paid £30 a week. I know. It was all, all it was free board and lodging, £30 a week. And basically all the food you could eat. And beer wow. was half price. And I went, I'm going for that. And um, <laughs> it was, I absolutely loved it. I didn't, I, and I was setting up um, toppers and mirrors, which are types of boats. Didn't know about yeah. them, got taught. I um, worked out how to set up um, uh, windsurfers. And I got to drive a speedboat um, all around. Because basically it was an offshore wind. So all these holiday guests would arrive at this hotel, go, wow, brilliant. And I'd go, hello, welcome to the hotel. Um, this is how the toppers and mirrors work. You know, just picked it up as I went yeah. along. Um, and then they'd all get in these boats and it was an offshore wind. So they'd shoot off away from Corfu to towards Albania. Then they couldn't get back. So then I'd get in the speedboat and drive out to get them. And, I, and you know, it's, it looks really cool in the speedboat. It's really easy. You just go out and then just mm. do that. And it looks like you've done a handbrake turn. You just skid yeah. it up next to them and you go, yeah. hi. I think you're struggling to get back to the shore, aren't you? Let me give you a turn. <laughs> and then I'd turn in. And because I was 18... Did you have the Miami times, Vice music Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Blaster. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, because it was, um, it was uh, you know, I was 18 and full of energy, they'd then go, I'd go, we'd, we'd sort of do eight or nine hours on this, working on the beach. Um, sometimes I'd be driving a van around as well, which didn't actually have a license for, but I could drive. It's the wrong modal verb if you want to be pedantic. I could drive. I just wasn't allowed to drive. Licensed to drive. Yeah, I wasn't licensed. Modal verb, to can or to be able to. There you go. Be careful what you what you ask. Uh, maybe it's because my dad's a lawyer and I just knew, ah, legally, what I've said is true. Technically, it's true. Morally, wrong. Um, but I used to go out every night with guests and we'd go out clubbing, dancing, and I loved all that. I loved the dancing. I loved, I loved music. Um, but the hotel, the hotel was Christian, so you'd have a lot of Christian guests. Um, you didn't have to be Christian, I suppose. And they'd have like um, a, a Christian sort of um, pastor, chaplain each week who would do talks on all sorts of things. And sometimes I went to them, sometimes I didn't. But the there was a really um, there was a really nice atmosphere and mood about the place that I really mm. enjoyed. And I enjoyed working there. Um, I enjoyed going out, I enjoyed socialising with everybody there. And then the, this is this is my story of how I actually became a Christian. And it's really boring. But it's the only story I've got, so I'm sticking with it. Um, I yeah. didn't have a watch. And so I'd come in. 
I'd go, <laughs> I would go, I'd be at the beach, had to be at the beach for 10 in the morning. So I'd be at the beach at 10. We'd finish at six. I'd have a snooze. I'd eat everything I possibly could in the restaurant. Then I'd go out clubbing at about 10. Then I'd get in about four. And then I'd wake up to go to the beach about 10. So it's a kind of a slightly <laughs> insane lifestyle. Yeah, um, and you can I, do it when you're younger. Yeah, yeah you can do it. I, now I'm like, ooh, ooh, how did I do that? <laughs> anyway, I went, one morning I woke up and I didn't know what time it was because I didn't have a watch because I just didn't own very much. And I went down into the foyer of the hotel. And there was no one around. And I went, well, it must be earlier than I think. It can't be, you know, it must be seven in the morning. Anyway, so I sort of sat on a chair and I just flicked through. There were magazines um, by the, you know, in the foyer like you might get. And because, you know, in some hotels, they'd be about tourism or they'd be about cars mm. or ho whatever hotels. This would happen to be a Christian magazine. And I, f I was flicking through it and it, there was an article. And I can't remember all the details, but the article said something along the lines of um, you believe in God. Great. Most people do. It's not the same as being a Christian. Do good things. Great. Loads of people do that. It's not the same as being a Christian. To be a Christian, what you have to know is or believe is that you have um, sinned, that you've there are things you've done or you're doing that God doesn't want you to. But there are also things you're not doing that mm. God wants you to do. And I was not a bad person by most people's mm. standards, but I thought, mm, actually, there are things I do that I shouldn't do. Uh, and I realized that this, this bit in the Bible about Jesus being on the cross, which I'd never quite got my head round and yeah. a bit on about Jesus. Basically, if you sin, there's a punishment, there's a consequence. And I understood that from school. You know, you do something wrong, you get caught. There's a consequence. Mm. If you don't get caught, there doesn't appear to be a consequence, but you're still wrong. And I, and I, and it, I sort of twigged. I went, Oh, hang on a minute. So I sin. Jesus died for me so that he takes the punishment so I don't have to. And then it was 7.30 in the morning, August, roughly, um, 1989. And I went, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I believe that I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to say there was a bright light. I'm not going to say mm. there was the sounds of angels. You could argue that I was sleep deprived. And so I've made the whole thing up. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but actually I just went, yeah. And I'm a little bit like that as a person going, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to become a Christian. So mm. without without a ton of other theological reasoning, um, I, I just decided to do that. And I did. I would argue that I felt different. I felt mm. lighter, happier. And um, you say you could say, oh, hang on a minute. That was purely circumstance. That was purely um uh, yeah, say you were tired, you'd had a, you know, you, you, it was emotional. I'm going, yeah, maybe. But 33 years later, I still have that same sense. Um, yeah. I, I've i had, so, and I would describe that as a religious experience. I can't say to you, I've got a really convincing story that's full of reason. It was to some extent, well, you could argue it's emotional. I would say it's spiritual. And I've had mm. a series of religious experiences since that I can't explain other than there must be a God and there is somebody called Jesus and Jesus is God's son. And there's lots of theology. There's lots of bits in the Bible that I don't understand. Mm. And I don't mind that. I don't yeah. mind not knowing everything. So when somebody says to me, yeah, hang on a minute, what about evil and suffering? I'm going brilliant. I don't know. I'd love to know. I, you know, I think free will is a wonderful gift that we've got mm. or a wonderful thing, but I don't understand um, why there is, you know, I'm going to get onto moral evil, natural evil. You know, I don't understand mm. why there's tsunamis and earthquakes. I, I don't understand why God always does what he does and why he doesn't do what I want, even though I yeah. ask him. <laughs> it's outrageous, isn't it? It's outrageous, God. What are you playing I, at? Yeah. yeah, but I, I don't mind, and I don't mind not knowing everything. It's okay. Mm. Um, so I would say that day is when I became a Christian. And what was interesting, I guess, from my own story is, uh, came back from Corfu and I went to university, I came up here to Liverpool, which was a long, long way from Sutton in, in those days. And I arrived in a new city, in a new place, new relationships uh, without any history. Mm. So no, so there was, you know, uh, you're, you're a blank canvas. And that really suited me as well, I think, because it turns out, and I know this will be a shock to you, Matt, turns out I was, for the first time in my life, I felt quite popular. 
I <laughs> so I go go along to the course and I go hello everybody and people go wow you're really chatty and friendly and I didn't know I yeah. was so with, within two days of arriving I'd organised kind of by mistake a pub crawl down the Swiftdown <laughs> Road which is a very famous road in Liverpool yeah, yeah. and I, and I just I made these posters with this bloke called Mark saying meet here for the Phil and Mark pub crawl and all these people came along and I went do you know the way to the pub crawl bark? And he went, I haven't got a clue. And I went, well, it must be this way. So we just set off and we headed, <laughs> headed off. I went, this way. And if you say, there's another tip. If you say things with a degree of um, confidence, it's amazing yeah, what yeah. people will believe. People will follow you. Yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed um, that time at university. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed my course. I really enjoyed learning. I found, mm. I like learning for the sake of it. I like the, the literature. I like the art that we learn. I like the language. And, and, I went to the laundrette and met a girl. I went to the laundrette, but I didn't meet a girl. Ah, well, uh, you're I... a different laundrette. Um, and anyway, <laughs> um, I... wasn't there that old um, Levi's TV commercial yeah. where that happened? Yeah, but I didn't take my trousers off because okay. <laughs> I wasn't that confident. <laughs> it is a bit like that. And I, I tried a few churches because I knew, oh yeah, church—that's what you want to do. And again, um. I didn't find the church that I went to, for whatever reason, I didn't find them that welcoming, the first ones I went to. Um, and that could easily put you off. But to me, it's mm. like, going, these are people. Churches are full of people. They are by by nature um, human. And therefore, mm. sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're, they're less good. That, that's, that's not... That's not God's fault or Jesus' fault. So, um, but it's what you actually should expect in church. Church yeah. is not a place of perfect people. Exactly. Really. Yeah. And if it were perfect, if I join, kind of Isn't ruin it. it. Yeah. <laughs> but but eventually, so this girl called Helena, um, we we found a great church in South Liverpool that we went to. They weren't used to students at all, and so they thought we were amazingly funny and interesting. And um, they thought we were really poor because we were scruffy. But that was just kind of like what you did when you were a student in the 1990s. Yeah, yeah. It was the fashion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, it was, a, you know, you made a point of being scruffy. And yeah. um, we met again a, a massively wide range of really interesting people who'd had completely different lives. Some of them were from very impoverished backgrounds. Again, this is Liverpool in the early 90s, so unemployment yeah. was common. They'd been involved in things like the Liverpool riots. They'd been involved in things like the Heysel Stadium violence. They'd been involved in the Hillsborough disaster. And I was mm. I really enjoyed meeting people from a very different background. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. Um, I then went away to live in Germany for years, of my course um, then I came back and for various reasons we my girlfriend at the time now my wife she said oh I'm trying out this new church um, let's go and I went and I was a bit like yeah whatever let's go and um, it's the church we're still in now it had a different name then it was called Bethany um, oh, yeah. and Bethany I, I, I must have met yeah that's it and I must have met you Matt but again it, it yep. was like I met a bunch of people and they were from a different back, range of backgrounds, lots of students, but also lots of local people, business people. And I remember being invited round for lunch at the pastors and eating everything, which was great. And then one of them saying, uh, a, late, a lovely lady called Jenny went, I'm doing a kids club. Uh, you, you could do the games, couldn't oh, okay. you? And she said it in a way that wasn't really a question. <laughs> Jenny has a habit of yeah. doing that, right? And I went her and Nick. To be but, fair, it's a talent they've possessed for a yeah, while. Absolutely, but and it, but isn't it interesting that actually I was I was confident, but I I needed that little shove, so I ended up yeah. um, being involved in something called the Kids Club, mm -hmm. um, which was uh, uh, it's kind of like if you're quite old, it was a bit like Tiz was, so it's full of crazy games, but with a Such with a, a Christian message. And yeah, the yeah. kids that came, putting it bluntly, were pretty rough, pretty scally. They were not the yeah, kids yeah. that I grew up with. They did not sit around wanting to read books or right. study ne existential nihilism. But I loved it. I mm. absolutely loved it. It was really good fun. And um, so I was going to university, had a great girlfriend, was doing this kid stuff, going to this church where I, I learned a lot more about the Bible, I would say, um, mm. and I learned a lot more about, um, I guess, how living a Christian life and the people I was meeting there. Obviously, we're all we all make mistakes, and that, but they were generally going. I'm trying to be a good Christian, a Christian, mm. good Christian, um, and there was no 
duplicity. There was no or very limited duplicity and hypocrisy. In fact, what you yeah. saw was what you got. You know, yeah. let's let's go and do a food bank. Well, it wasn't called food bank then. Let's feed the homeless because that's what it says yeah. we should do. Let's look after orphans and widows because that's what the Bible says. And I love that social action side. Yeah. But I was also learning about a spiritual side too, that it's what you believe that matters. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time playing with this. There's there's the story when Jesus is crucified. There's two other men who are crucified at the same time and the thieves. And one of them says, Jesus, what are you doing? If you're the son of God, get off the cross mm. and makes fun of Jesus, even though they're dying a massively yeah. painful death. The other fellow on the cross is going, I think you. I think I'm using my own language here. It's not exactly the biblical words. Go. The other uh, crucified um, thief says, "No way. I I think you are Jesus. I think you are the Son of God. I think you are. You say you are." And Jesus says, "God." Jesus says to him, "You're going to be in heaven when you die, which is basically yeah. going to be in the next few hours." And I love that bit of you know. When I say theology, it's understanding of the Bible because you go, all that thief did was acknowledge that Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah. And that he, you know, he acknowledged who he was. He didn't get a lot of extra theological training. You know, do you know what I mean? He didn't go on a course. He didn't mm. even do anything good. He didn't go and help the aged, help the help the lonely. No, he just he said got he into heaven. Me, didn't he? That yeah. being said, I think it's very important before you die to 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 act on your faith, to do things that have an impact and are a positive impact on other people. Um, and this yeah. church that we're still in, I think, is is, re- is a really good blend of both of mm. those things which is maybe why you and me matt are still there when our kids have all grown these up years there. later yeah yeah yeah, yeah and I've, 30 years yeah uh, yeah I, 30 years ago for me when i joined yeah. Frontline church yeah and um well bethany church with a mission yeah what a great name both. yeah yeah bethany <laughs> church with a mission dun 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 <laughs> it's like yes all churches have missions don't they yes but I, we are bethany church yeah with a mission. <laughs> I, I hope they do yeah <laughs> No, it's great, and and I totally get what you're saying, and I'm I can hear Jen in my head now. Uh, when I was sort of eighteen, nineteen, you know, telling me a few. To be fair, it was more Julie Connolly with you. Yeah, 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 uh, similar. <laughs> she's Julie's a little bit more straight talking than Jen. Jen yeah. was very kind, and and Julie was like boom, boom. Uh, and still is in some respect. But um, no, yeah, it's fascinating. So here you are. Um, a Christian, you you met Helena in the laundry. I thought you met her at a bus stop for some oh, reason. Oh, that's when I picked her up with my friend Dave. Uh, so I'd met in the laundrette. I'd seen her around. I sort of in those days, there's no phones, is there? So you had to stalk people, if that's the right word, by just yeah. hanging around where they might hang around. So I knew she might be in this pub, this club, this you know whatever. So I just yeah. hang around and I saw her with my friend Dave, and she was waiting at a bus stop with a, another girl called Joe. And I said, Dave, pull over. Let's give them a lift home. And that was the evening of our first kiss with ah. George Benson playing in the background. Never give up. Very anyway, good. Um, and and it, it's really <laughs> interesting, actually, because there's another example there of what I would call a religious experience. Because we, um, she was doing law. She had a really good career path and a really good career plan. I ended up doing a master's because I like studying. And in those days, you didn't have to pay. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. I did a, So I did a four-year degree. Then I did a master's in the administration of the European Union. So I was the only person who knew how the European Union worked in the whole of Britain. Uh, and I still didn't fully understand it, but never mind. Um, and, and then I got a job. I got a proper job. I was an export sales manager um, selling graphic arts filing. It's not that interesting. Uh, although there was a lot of talking. Um, and people were saying, why aren't you getting, you know, you're going to marry Helen. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And I was in church one day. Helena wasn't there. And for what? Reasons I cannot explain properly as a cerebral intellectual process mm. just burst into tears. And uh, there was a fellow there called Paul, who you know, Matt, Paul Ed. And I went, Oh, and he went, What's wrong? And I go, I don't know, I don't know, Paul. And um, about 10 minutes of crying, I stopped crying and I was like, Well, that feels better, that feels good. And, and it's funny, somebody I was explaining this once to somebody who wasn't a Christian, they went, Do you think it was a mental breakdown? And I went, I don't know. If it was, it was a good one. If you can have such a thing, because ten minutes <laughs> Mental later, break up, I felt, maybe rather. Than, I, yeah, I, I, I felt like a lot of things somehow had been dealt with, and I wonder. And again, I've got a theory, and I wouldn't like to put it to the test necessarily. That sometimes, as a Christian, you can work through 
issues in your life like you might be very mm. angry you might be very bitter you might have had a very difficult past and slowly but surely god can help you deal with that mm. and not everything gets dealt with some things you just carry with you you know physical health mental health issues other times and this has happened to me on two or three occasions it's almost like i've had keyhole surgery and that's mm. the only way i can describe it as a as a comparison so it's like 10 minutes of crying and i was like oh i feel better and mm. I don't know why God would do that, but I believe it was a God thing. And mm. uh, the next day I said, hey, I think we should get married. And Helen went, I've been waiting for you to ask me that. And I went, well, there you go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. How long have you been married now? Uh, only 27 years. And just the other day, it felt like I nearly knew what I was doing. <laughs> and then you had a word with yourself yeah well, well yeah. And, 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 it, and it's, when it's, it's funny isn't it because i think because maybe of my upbringing which was like you know you need to be relatively sensible and be a bit good lifey i had this really good job that paid really well i wore a suit mm. i went abroad but i hated it i really found it tedious i wasn't fundamentally i wasn't interested in 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 selling things mm. um Although I think I buy things, so I don't mind people selling things. It's part of life. So mm. I've got no problem with it if ethically. Just like, this is boring. For me, I'm not interested. Yeah. And then I was in church again, maybe a year or two later. And I again, I was like going, hmm, uh, mm, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And I, it's almost like I can't. there wasn't a particular verse. There wasn't a particular um, message that I remember other than, why am I? I think I was made for something else. I think God made me mm. with a heart for something else. So we chatted with Helena and um, we couldn't quite afford to do this, but I gave up my job and I went to volunteer because I wasn't paid to work back at the kids club and to work for mm. the church. And apart from taking a hundred percent pay cut, it was brilliant. Everything about yeah. it was great. And I'm, maybe I'm not that materialist. I mean, everyone's got to have some money, but I was like, oh, this is so much more fun. And I don't mind mm. that, you know, I'm not going to hotels and restaurants. I don't care. I'm mucking mm. about in, in places that you might have heard of wherever you are in, in England, Toxteth, Wavertree, mm. Kenny, Kensington, not Kensington, London, Kenny, Liverpool. Very, yeah. very, very different, different places. <laughs> very different places. And I loved yeah. it. Um, and it was like, this is great. And I, and I think this is, you know, there's a great verse in the Bible. Uh, God's got a plan for your life. Now it can be misused, mm. that verse, but I'm pretty sure that there is something about God's God's got all sort. He knows me well and he knows mm. what I'm good at. He knows what my skills are, if you like. He knows my heart. He knows my personality. And it probably wasn't to sell filing. Um, and so I, but I, I like working with kids. So I trained to be a teacher. So I, and I became a teacher. So I had an income and we had an income mm. and I still carried on doing this kid stuff. And the balance was pretty good. It worked, it worked well um, for mm. those years that we were involved in both. Um, then to jump forward, we had children, and this sounds odd, but it will make sense in a minute. We had children in the natural way. <laughs> Got it? So we yeah, were living we in a semi Yeah, we were living in a semi-detached house, great church, great kids. My wife was a solicitor, I was a teacher, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And then my wife, uh, who was pretty clever, said, should we foster? And I was like, you know, what? Don't know, whatever. And she said, yeah, look, we, there's, a, there's an evening to find out more about fostering. Should we go along? And I was like, what, like on a date? It's not a very good date, but I'll go anywhere <laughs> with you, dear. So we went off to the local council's foster event. And um, the social worker who spoke put us off entirely by speaking in a social worker language I didn't understand. Then a lady who was a foster carer put us off by saying, these teenagers that, we, that I look after keep smashing up my house. But then... So I was like, I'm not doing this. And then uh, a young lady spoke who was it who'd been in care. And she said, going into care, going to live with strangers um, is terrifying. If you could make it less terrifying, could you foster? And I knew that the Bible talks quite a lot about looking after. They call them in the Bible yeah, orphans. And it's like, yeah. essentially, that's kids who haven't got a family. And we just, and I'm a bit like this. And it's, it's a great way to be if you can, which is like, well, let's give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. We can always stop. So we went through the process. Uh, of becoming a foster carer it takes about uh it took us about eight nine months it's pretty mm. rigorous you can't just ring up and say we'd like a kid you know mm. it's it's they really need to they there's a few questions they want answers there's to a first. lot of questions you're filling something that there's a they fill in you fill in a form called a form f it's a book it's a hundred pages long. <laughs> it's book f it should be called um and so we started fostering so we had from two birth kids who were five and seven or something like that at the time we started having additional kids coming into our house mm. Um, and some came for a, what the one came for four hours 
Uh, one came for a few days, then we had one for a year and a half. And you know that you know you might have seen know about this. I mean, it's a whole other podcast about getting a kid ready to be adopted. Um, we had another a lad who uh, he came to live with us. We thought he was Russian. And so when he arrived, I said to him, Privyet, because I'd looked up on YouTube how to say hello in Russian. And his first yeah. words to me were, why are you speaking Russian? I'm not Russian. And I went, oh, where are you from? And he was from Moldova, <laughs> which, you know, is oh, in wow. the news at the moment because of the Ukraine-Russian war. Um, yeah. And um, it, oddly enough, we lost contact with him. But because of the internet, Instagram, uh, a little while ago, he found me on Instagram. And it was just oh, wonderful wow. to be sort of um, reunited by by yeah. world the world wide web with a lad that we looked yeah, after yeah, yeah. some time it was just lovely it's been lovely to chat with him um and one little kid who we fostered got adopted the adoption broke down which does happen two years later he came back to live with us when the adoption didn't work and we fostered him again and then one uh sort of afternoon he's been very very quiet which is good and bad with children um, and I thought, oh, he's being quiet. Usually bad, should I just, to be fair. Yeah, shall I enjoy the silence or should I go to find <laughs> out what he's doing? And I enjoyed the silence a bit too long. And then I went to find out what he was doing. And, I, and he was in the front lounge in our house. And he'd got a, a family photo. And he'd smashed out the mm. glass and he'd added a picture of himself uh, with his name. And I went, oh, look at that. That's very exciting. Um, he was covered in glass, which is a bit of a safety, health and safety thing. But safety issue, yeah. You've got to be careful about that. Uh, uh, but I but I was more interested in what he was trying to say. And he was basically trying to say, mm. can I join your family, please? Which is a very mm. hard thing to say. And it's not why we went into fostering, but we went, yeah, okay. So we ended up adopting him. So this kid has had a lot of, he's had a lot of parents. But he did mm. say to me, and I will change the language, uh, when it was Father's Day, he went, I've had, I've had, <laughs> you know, as you say, you're the best dad I've ever had. The others were yeah. really and I was like, get in. Um, that was, so, so we've got three kids, um, 2018, and he's nearly 15. So he's planning his birthday as we speak. Um, yep, fair enough. He's got a very long list on Amazon of what he wants. And if we bought it all, it would come to 17,450 <laughs> quid, something like that, you know. Um, and I, well, aim high, Phil. Aim yeah, high, I like that. I'll, I'll read, what's the name of that fella? Elon Musk. Have you got his number? yeah, yeah. Yeah, just give him a ring. Yeah, Hang on. And, I can um, do with a few quid. I, I, um, I, I, I was still a teacher for a long time, but I, I found it quite. I began to find it a bit stressful, and you mm. know, middle-aged man doing okay, but I, I began to get. Um, I don't think it was depression, but I got very anxious about work. And somebody said to me, who's a wise, again, a very wise person at church who worked in mental health, chatted to her, and she said, um, "You've got." Um, it, I think she referred to it as environmental anxiety. So you found yourself in a situation that you're not, I mean, one or two things can happen in your life and you're fine, but so many things were happening that I wasn't able yeah. to deal with them very well. So I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating very well. I was getting very anxious at the weekend. I was trying to get ahead of the week by looking at emails all through Sunday. So I was, mm. and I would say looking at this now, if I could give any tip for mental health, it's, um, you know, the Bible, uh, so Old Testament, New Testament, even the Quran, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not an, um, a Muslim, but they talk about having one day being different from the others. And I can't mm. help thinking that having a day different, day of rest, whatever you want to call it, Sabbath, Shabbat, day of rest, one day different from all others is really good for our mental health. And I wonder yeah. if the reason we have such poor mental health in the West is because we've eroded that and we, yeah. we treat all seven days the same but um yeah um with a lot of help and friends uh kind of got better um and but i did think i need to change my environment so i stopped being a full-time teacher and became a recruiter or promoter is maybe a better word of fostering so i now spend three days a week teaching love it teach german uh theoretically french although that doesn't have very much and re so a lot of uh, ethical issues um is there a god mm. i'm always asking kids that question it's brilliant because they always want to know what's the answer and i go that's the whole point we mm. don't know it's a matter of faith it's if somebody mm. says they know there's a god they're using the word no incorrectly that's me being kind of slightly cantankerous again going no you don't know it you know facts and it's not a fact it's a matter of faith and you mm. you know you don't know everything that's why God is omniscient, which is from the Latin, mm. all-knowing. You're not. You're just a kid, and, and I'm just a big kid, basically. Um, 
Uh, and it, it, it's a pretty good balance at the moment as our kids mm. get older. And my wife's changed her job a few times, still works in law. Um, she's an academic. My wife is an academic, Matt. You know you've achieved when you become an yeah. academic, when you've worked so hard. The, acad the university you went to says, do you mind coming back? Could and you, yes, could you come back because you're so clever? <laughs> uh, it's not happened to me yet, Phil. Yeah, it hasn't happened. happened to me. So <laughs> I, I spend quite a lot of my time with kids uh, who are, um, shall we say, um, marginalised, sometimes traumatised. I do some other charity work. Um, we're trying to keep kids out of going into care. Uh, I work with foster carers and adopters, trying to help them deal with the kids. Because, you know, even when you adopt, it doesn't solve the trauma and the, mm. the distress that you may have experienced as a child. Um, and it's sometimes very challenging, but I find it really worthwhile. And that is mm. one of, I guess that's one of the values I have. I think I'd have had it if I hadn't become a Christian. I think it would have been... Um, reflected in maybe politics or something like that but actually yeah, yeah. it's become I'm inspired by the by a sense of justice that I've got but I'm also mm. inspired by many bits in the bible that say what are you doing about the poor person what are you doing about the widow yeah, yeah. the marginalized the orphan what are you doing about the refugee and I'm you know I'm I do sometimes, and I, I tend to ignore it, I do sometimes despair when I see people that would say they're a Christian who don't appear to have read all of the Bible in the way I have. But it's not my job really to, I don't, I don't, I'd rather not go on about them. I'd rather go, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to yeah. look after this yeah. kid. What, what, whatever about. that fellow yeah, yeah, yeah. wants to say. You do those, um, you do those God bless them prayers, don't you? Yeah. Some, and, and you try and do them in a non-self-righteous way, no, which is no, always no, the tricky the, part. I do the self, God bless those people. I'm sure they think they're doing what is, no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of my life's great. So, for example, this this weekend, I'm taking this little kid, he's 10, to his first football match. I mean, you know, it's not all good. He's going to see Everton. <laughs> ah, poor kid but you know what a, you know, what a laugh I took him with uh, our be like your dad learning how to deal with disappointment yeah, yeah. With his QPR season <laughs> I took him with our adopted son uh, who's got a few learning issues brilliant kid I took him uh, so there's a 10 year old and he's not from the same ethnicity as me and I took and, uh, and our son and I took him into town he'd never been into town he'd lived, he's lived in Liverpool right. a while he's never been into town no and way. we just ran around the libraries the museums we were in and out of shops so everything was wow amazing and I just thought this is for me for my personality it's not for everyone this is just such a fun way of spending mm. my time it, it showing the kids there's a world that's exciting and just showing mm. them yeah there are some adults because they've both had a tough time there are some adults that aren't um good mm. do bad things but there are some adults that are safe and you know there's nothing wrong with selling filing but this was a lot more fun not as lucrative. Yeah, and I think a lot more fulfilling for you. Yeah, as for well. me, and I can... it's exactly, and it's the way I'm wired. It's the way yeah. I'm wired, and you know, very often I have all sorts. I'm sure anybody watching this, I have all sorts of questions that I don't understand about why. Why did those two children have to find themselves in families that couldn't look after them? And you're mm. like, it's a great question. You know, why? Why was I put in a family? If I was put in a family, you know, questions of volition and agency. Mm. Why was I in a family with a mum and a dad and a brother and and and, and happiness and wealth, and mm. they weren't? And I'm mm. like, I don't know, but I do know with that privilege. And we've talked about this before, haven't we? With with privilege mm. and with power comes responsibility. And I like to think that I'm doing you know what I can, my family can to mm. to help people who aren't as privileged. And who are disempowered or don't have as much agency i could always think i could do more but i'm going um oh, it's it, it's fun to do it but it's useful to do it um yeah. and i don't know what happens when you die but i'm guessing i'm guessing guessing is that the right word is that a theological word assuming my, assuming my reading of the bible is this if it's true when i die god will go to me right brilliant uh you're in heaven well done <laughs> I don't know if it works like this. I really don't. But, you know, 
I hope there's no paperwork in heaven. I hope there's no forms to fill in. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Just go and fill out this hundred Oh, page. you're joking. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I have to just wait till Helena gets here. I, my wife, I can't do the, I can't do the paperwork. <laughs> um, but I'm figuring that there's those, those, those commandments about, you know, it's summed up with love your neighbour and your neighbour is everybody, even people you might not like. Yeah, um, and I like to think that that's how we live our lives. Um, I've got mm. a ton of questions for god but i'm figuring everybody else has as well um and you know i don't understand everything that, that I, happens on the I planet figure you'll have plenty of time to get them answered yeah yeah exactly um and on earth i do talk to god often get quite cross with him and go why is this happening mm. and i feel anxious about that and i've i but i like the journey i like mm. to go to a i like to listen to a preach or read the bible or do a bible study and go Ah, this has answered a lot of questions, mm. but now I've just got a load of others as well. So, you know, like, like yourself, <laughs> you know, go to church and go, that was a great going. preach, really interesting. And I love listening to that man or woman talk about their life. But what about this issue? And what about that issue? And I, and I, I keep coming back to this. I don't mind not knowing. I mm. don't mind. I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't want to talk about it now, but you know, there's a big issue in the UK at the moment about trans and cis and gender, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and I can look at the Bible and try and find a lot of information or some guidance on it. But there's a lot about that that I, I don't even understand all the words. Yeah. Maybe because somebody said, "You're are you a cis male?" and I'm like, <laughs> I, I just don't. I, I don't. don't mind. And, I, and you know, like, going, and and you think when I was younger, I'd laugh at people who didn't understand the modern world, and I'm going, oh, yeah. I'm turning into one of those people that goes, <laughs> You're turning into what? the middle-aged guy that goes. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what I'm doing. I don't know what that is, and I and I, yeah. I can. I'm trying to find out. I really am. I'm thinking right because you know, people are people, aren't they? Everyone's made in the image of God. Yeah. So people are people, but that doesn't. I don't know. Let's not talk about it now because that's a whole other podcast. And that's a, that's very much a, another discussion. But I think it's an interesting point um, that I think there's a the thing that I I love about the Christian faith and the thing I love about your story. This whole I don't mind not knowing. Um, there's a there's a word the Bible uses. Um, I've learned, Paul says it, he says, I've learned what it is to be rich. I've learned what it is to be poor. But in all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens mm. me. In other words, and he talks about being content yeah. in this phrase. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I've had loads of money. I've had no money at all. But you know what? I'm content. I'm all right. Yeah. I'm all right. I don't know all the answers. Yeah. Um, and I'm all right. I'm content. Yeah. And I think um, it's probably one of the most underrated aspects for me of the Christian faith is that level of contentment yeah. that it sort of comes with, where you go, I don't know all the answers. Yeah. And I know I only look at life in this very small, tiny sphere in which I, yeah. in which I operate. Do you know what I mean? I, we've just travelled uh, to the States. They see things very differently over there. You know, you talk about Moldova. They're seeing things yeah. extremely yeah. differently over there. Do you know what I mean? So I understand that in this small sphere in which I operate, I don't know. I don't get everything. I don't get all the big picture all the time. But you know what? I'm content, yeah. and I I have God to thank for that, yeah, yeah. right? And it's a it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah. So Phil, listen, I'm aware of time, and it's always lovely chatting to I you. I talk too much. I guess <laughs> never. Um, I guess in all of this, we talk about life messages, don't we? And it's like um, you've mentioned on the live streams before. You know, you write letters to your kids, and uh, and you've done that over the years. You've written letters to them, and you give them to them on their yeah. 18th birthday, a stack of letters which they can read, which is great. But I guess if you if you had one letter left, which you were going to write and in that you would write your sort of, you know, your final message to the world. This is, you know, your the one thing you want everybody to remember that you've I guess you've learned or experienced or come through. What would that be? Oh, now this is where I should say something really pithy and, and deep. No, no, no. I'd Just possibly say, honest. please consider fostering. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. There'll be I a card in would. there somewhere. I, 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 I think... I think it's probably it's, it's, if if you're not careful, you sound like you're one of those sayings that people put up in their kitchens, like live life, love. But probably it would be more like there's a very old song I remember somebody singing to me, which was where's a little kid, which was trust and obey. There's no other way. It rhymes. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust mm. and obey. And there's a ton of theology in there, but but actually there's a lot of this. There's a lot in it's it's the trusting, which which I've mm. probably learned 
and I'm learning going, but what about that, God? What about this? Are you sure you got it covered? And it's like, I'm God. Yeah. Mm. So trusting <laughs> and obeying, which is quite unusual as humans, because we, you know, certainly I go, well, hang on, I've got, I'm sure I've got this sorted better than you have. Yeah. And and yeah. trust and obey, maybe just trust and obey. Um, yeah. That I'm saying this on a good day because tomorrow I'll go, I don't want to trust you anymore, God. I want to do <laughs> and, and it's been that relationship. And, and, and seriously, for yeah. me, I keep coming back to the religious experiences I've had going, well, I know God was present and yeah. there, 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 and there's loads of them. And I've got friends who've got similar experiences. I'm going, I can't deny yeah. those happened unless I deny that I've been alive. I mean, they just did yeah. happen to me. Um, so yeah, trust and obey. Maybe that's it. Simple as that. And all you got to do is find out the bits you have to obey, which is to foster. Yeah. <laughs> which is to foster. Well, look after the orphan. Look after the widow and the orphan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's brilliant. And, and actually, uh, on a, a more serious note, Phil, um, I know people will be listening to this from around the world, but there will be folks listening from the UK. If people do want to find out more about fostering, which we're big fans of um, here at Crowd. How do they do well, that? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. Um, if you're a, a Christian, I would Google Home for Good, which is a fantastic charity. It's a national charity. And it's basically its goal is to find homes for children who need them. So it might be fostering, might be adoption. It might be long term fostering. So Home home for Good and you'll find you'll find the charity. If you really want to foster, the best thing to do is to go to your local council and Google, you know, say you live in Surrey. Google Foster for Surrey, Google Foster for Gloucester, Foster for Liverpool. You'll find lots of agencies as well. I don't want to go into all that now, yeah. but you'll find something there. Or you can Google Fostering and Adoption with Phil.com and you'll find my blogs, which are basically stories of fostering and adoption. And check them out. Check them out. And, I need um, the readers. Yeah. Yeah, you need to read this. Yeah, check out his blog. Leave comments. He'll respond. Yeah, yeah, Phil's I will. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Uh, Phil, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Pleasure. Great to hear your story. And um, honestly, man, love it. Love Brilliant. what God's doing in your life. And thanks for just being you, man. Love, I love it. <laughs> love it. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. So there you have it. What a great story. Uh, a huge thanks again to Phil for joining me today. Now, don't forget to subscribe uh, to the podcast, wherever you get podcasts from, because we have some great stories about faith and courage from everyday people lined up in the can, ready to go. And I don't want you to miss any of them. And whilst you're there, why not make sure you subscribe to the Crowd Church live stream also. And if you're around Sunday, 6 p.m. here in the UK, uh, and whatever time that is for you in the world, you can always Google what is uh, my time when it's 6 p.m. here in the UK, it will come up. Or there's a handy little link on the Crowd Church website which will tell you. Come and say hi in the live stream on Facebook and YouTube. Come say hi in the comments, ask your questions. It's going to be great to see you there. And in case no one has told you today, you, my friend, are awesome. Utterly, utterly awesome. Yes, you are. It's a burden we all have to carry because that's the way God made us. The Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we can walk that out for the rest of our lives. That's fantastic. That's the good news. That is the remarkableness of the God we serve. What's the Story is produced by Crowd Church. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team the fabulous team that make this show possible is Sadaf Bainoy, George McQuaig, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song is written by Josh Edmondson. And as I said, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes from today's show, head over to our website, www.crowd.church, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. 